The Everyday Style School podcast is sponsored by The Style Circle, the monthly membership where you can learn all the skills you need to ditch wardrobe overwhelm, style yourself like a pro, and gain the confidence you deserve. The Style Circle offers classes, wardrobe guides, support, and personalized advice from me. It's the most affordable way to get the professional style guidance you've always wanted. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com to get started today. Hey everyone, welcome back to a very special episode of the Everyday Style School podcast. Today we are having a conversation I wanted to have last spring when our worlds were turned upside down like in an instant and we were all living totally differently, enjoying a whole lot more family time than we ever imagined and maybe ever wanted, to be honest. Due to schedules and my content plan and timely things that I wanted to talk about on the show, I didn't get to this one in the spring. And over the summer, it kind of felt like things would be returning to a lot more normal, if not normal, a lot more quickly than we had thought. Then I sort of felt this shift happening. Schools started announcing this hybrid craziness or complete distance learning. And I think a lot of people, myself included, realized that we were headed for another season of definitely not normal. The other thing that's happened since March is that My kids have turned a little bit feral. I don't know if yours have too. They have been staying up till all hours of the night, sleeping in their clothes, showering a lot less regularly. I know you guys can relate. I know I'm not the only one going through this, but it's not just my kids. So many women I've talked to have dropped their skincare routines or they're not getting dressed as much. And as families, you know, in March, we were all doing puzzles and family game nights, which has sort of devolved in the last few months into everyone being on separate devices in separate rooms. So today I am super excited to welcome an expert in family culture to teach us all how we can create a positive culture in our homes during whatever stage of this new normal we are in. Today, I would like to introduce you to Kimberly Amici. Kimberly is known for her creativity, her strong faith, and commitment to living life with purpose and passion. She's an entrepreneur, designer, and podcast host. She's the founder of Build Your Best Family, which helps people live a life of purpose with the ones they love and become the family they were meant to be through podcasts, courses, live events, and personal coaching. Kimberly writes at KimberlyAmici.com. She lives with her husband, Carl, and their three teenagers in the NYC suburbs. Hey, Kimberly, thank you for visiting the Style School today. We are so happy to have you. Hello. It's so great to be here with you today. So we were chatting a little bit about before we before we started recording how I wanted to talk about this stuff early in the spring and then it just didn't happen, Mm -hmm. but it feels even more relevant now as we're realizing that this isn't just a phase we need to get through, like anything goes because we just need to get through it. We need to learn how to do this well. You know, kids maybe not going out um, to school for the next few months, maybe sports aren't happening, our regular routines aren't happening. So I am really excited that you can help us navigate how to do this phase of life well, um, Mm -hmm. and then help us put in place some ways to create a positive family atmosphere that supports our kids and the the lives that we want to live. But we have so many important things to talk (laughs) about today, but this is a style podcast. So we ask every guest the same three questions just to get to know you a little bit better. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. 
Okay. In three words, describe your style. Okay. So I think casual, approachable, and I would say slightly trendy. So I try to stay, I'm a little bit behind the trends. So like the trends come out, I take a little while to figure out if I want to jump on board and then I finally jump on. So I would say I'm ahead of most moms in the trends, but I'm definitely behind my girls, my teenage girls with the trends. Well, that's fair enough. I hope never to be on the same page as my 12-year-old with most of the trends, right? (laughs) So what is one trend that you are loving for, for fall? For fall 2020. Um, you know what? My girls, and I kind of like it, and they started this back in the spring, actually, with with like, you know, in March when everything shut down, they're like, let's tie-dye sweatshirts. And the tie-dye yes. is coming back. And so they did a handful of sweatshirts. A couple of them they don't like because they had these puffy sleeves on them. So it looks like a Oh, regular, that's a huge trend. Yeah. So I'm like, and they don't like it. I'm like, can I, can I have that? If you're not going to that. And it's like in this orange color, which is my favorite color. I love oranges and deep reds. And so I'm like, can I have that? And they're like, yeah, because I'm not going to wear it. I think it was too trendy for them. Yeah. But like, it is something that I could pull off with a pair of jeans. So love I'm kind that. of loving this like sort of over, you know, oversized sweatshirt that's got a little bit of style to it. So it's not the hoodie that's like the high school uniform, but it's a sweatshirt that's got a little bit of something to it. Oh my gosh, the hoodie high school uniform. Yes, I think my daughter has like four. And every once mm-hmm. in a while, I will have to say, okay, you've worn that like three days now. You can't do it. And mom, mm-hmm. nobody cares. Everybody wears mm-hmm. the same one every day. And they do. So, okay, yeah. I just, all right, you do you. I'm very relaxed when it comes to what my kids wear. I just... A, I don't care. B, I want them to express themselves. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think my girls have 14 sweatshirts and they share them. And it is the only time they will be like knocked down, drag out fights over who's going to wear the one that they want that day. I mean, it is like you hear the screaming and you're like, oh, they're fighting over clothes. It's probably the only thing they fight over. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. So my older sister and I are less than a year apart. So we shared clothes all the way like through high school, mm-hmm. but my girls are three and a half years apart. And so there's no, there's no sharing clothes whatsoever. Yeah. And I didn't realize the blessing of not hearing about clothing fights until you just said that. So I'm going to mark that in my win column. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll catch up to each other soon. Yeah. Well, my oldest, when she goes to college, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I think there's going to be some hiding of clothes and some stealing and conniving and who knows what's going to happen when the yeah. Yeah. There was when my sister went to college. I remember that. I remember the hiding. Mm-hmm. I like balled a shirt up and I, I hid it under things in our, in my closet. <laughs> Thank you for bringing back those memories. That's fantastic. Oh, and giving you something to look forward to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's hope that they just, you know, they don't, they have very different styles though, too. Mm-hmm. Very, mm-hmm. very, very different styles. So maybe I'll avoid that fight. Okay. Second question. If I gave you $500 to spend on clothes, on yourself, in one store, what store would you choose and what would you like to add to your wardrobe? Okay. So I, so I just want to start by saying that I've been doing stitch fix for the last couple of years because I am an awful shopper, awful, awful, awful. And I've literally turned over my wardrobe. So on the rare occasions that I actually venture out and have confidence enough to shop for myself, it would be, uh, anthropology. And I just, I love how eclectic it is. I love their accessories. I love that there's so many things in there that just sort of are fun and feminine, but yet comfortable. And yeah, so that's where I would shop for sure. And what would you add? Is there anything that you feel is missing from your wardrobe or what is one piece that you're like, this would make such a huge difference? 
Well, I love anything with bold colors. So I'm starting to try, I feel like now that I have established a wardrobe of staples and things that I can rely on, I, I love the bold sort of get your attention, unexpected type things. And so when I go to store like that, and I know I'm going to actually spend money and not like scour the sale rack, it's going to be for something that's like worth it. And that just, you know, like just makes me want to bounce when I like walk into a room. <laughs> that is what every item of your clothing should do. By the way, ladies, if yes. you're listening um, and you want to hear my thoughts on Stitch Fix, what I love about it, what I don't, there's a podcast about that. Go back in the back catalog and and check it out. I have I have a love-hate with Stitch Fix, but I tried it yeah. again. And uh, yeah, but you're right. One thing you said was something that I said in my show was that once you have gotten your basics, that's when mm-hmm. you start shopping for the fun pieces, right? And I think that yeah. that is most important. I love anthropology, but you know, it's kind of one of those yeah. stores that I go online and I go, nah, I, don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. But when I'm in the store, I want everything. Oh, for sure. Like it's, it's just, you have to touch and feel all of that stuff because in person, it's just so much more yes. stunning yes. than it is online. For, yeah. And you can justify the prices a little bit more. Like it feels mm-hmm. more special. I think things feel more special when you can actually see them and touch them. And then you're like, you know what? That yeah. would be a worthy splurge. All right. Final question. What item of clothing that you currently wear is your favorite and why? So I really enjoyed wearing jumpsuits. Okay. Like the jumpsuit rompers because they are so comfortable and I can wear them casually or I can dress them up with heels and accessories. And especially now with being home all the time, if I need to feel like a little bit dressy, but know that even I'm not going somewhere, I can put this on and throw on a pair of earrings and feel like, you know what I mean? I'm not trying too hard, but I'm, I'm getting dressed and I'm showing up for the day. And so, um, we just, my husband and I just went away for our anniversary and we went to Rhode Island. And when I got there, I realized that all three nights for dinner, I packed these three different jumpsuits and I was like, wait a minute, seeing a pattern here. apparently I have a uniform. Mm -hmm. That's all right. You know what? It's kind of like dresses, you know, it's a one and done thing. There's like Mm -hmm. this magic to it because it looks so much more put together than separate. When you see someone in a dress or a jumpsuit, they look like they made an effort. And inside most people are thinking, yeah, "Yeah, I put on one thing and I'm super comfortable. And this actually feels like pajamas. So I, I love, 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 love pieces like that. Oh, and if it's got pockets, then it's like, Amazing. Whole nother level. Pockets are the holy grail. All right. Good stuff. I love it. Now, we know you a little bit better, and I know that my listeners are eager to hear how to build a family culture that is positive and mm-hmm. intentional and doesn't involve everyone just hanging out by themselves, grumbling about doing homework. And I know that's not just my house. So I, I know that there are a lot of you listening out there who are like, oh, she mm-hmm. just described me. Yep. And me too. I get it. So let's dive in. First of all, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how did you become a family culture expert? Okay, so um, I went to school for interior design and architecture and, you know, started working full time. I worked in Atlanta, I worked in New York City and creating these incredible environments for people to live in and or live in, work in and had my kids decided it was time to stay home, spent a few years doing freelance work, loved that, but always had this desire and passion to write. So my plan B, once I was home, was to write. And when blogging became that new hot thing, I started like dabbling in writing. And over time, 
I realized, well, I need something to talk about, like one thing to talk about, you know, and I miss being in the workplace, but I wasn't ready to go back. I, I missed, um, you know, these kind of like leaderships and self-growth situations where you're constantly learning and applying what you learned in the workplace. So I kind of had that all going on in the background, not knowing like, how am I going to, you know, live this all out while I'm pro focusing on what, what is important at this particular time for our family. We did all the right things. We were living in Manhattan, moved to the suburbs, you know, had the house, freelancing a little bit, best of both worlds, raising kids, getting busy, being in the play groups, volunteering at school, doing all the things. And I just became so overwhelmed. I just became like just busy, you know, like mm -hmm. doing all the right things, but doing nothing on purpose, you know just following the tide, just going along with culture, going along with what everybody else was doing. And I thought that that was wonderful until I hit the, hit the point where I was like, this is, this is exhausting. And this isn't all at all what we thought our life was going to be like, it looks nothing like we thought. And so for me, I was like, I've got to solve this. Like, yeah. <laughs> and got online and I started to learn about mission statements and having been in a corporate workplace, I know what a mission statement is. I know what it's like to have vision and values and all those right things. And I was like, well, what if, you know, we do a mission statement for our family? Because that seemed to be the thing that a lot of people were doing. And so when I started to research mission statements and how to write one for my family, I realized it was, it was extremely difficult to find out how to do it. Like nobody was giving me a formula. I'm like, just give me a framework. So I started to figure that out for myself. I started to write about having a mission. I started, you know... We had, we, we created a mission statement. I hung it up in my house, but it wasn't quite delivering for us. Mm -hmm. Like my, my house didn't magically change. My family right. didn't magically become like these words yeah. that I put up on the wall. And so I went back to the drawing board and started to learn more about culture. Um, so I started to write more about it, sort of discover more about it, started to realize that all of those principles that you can apply in a workplace environment are things that you can apply in your home as well to create the culture that you want, to create the success that you want, to create the growth that you want. And so I started to just marry the two. And so as I'm learning all this, I had also started working with a life coach and, and really fine-tuned my focus, fine-tuned my purpose. And they kind of just all, it was like the perfect storm of them all coming in together at the same time. And so what I realized, because it was hard to let go of you know, the career that I had before. And I may go back to it and there are opportunities that come up occasionally, but I put the two together and realized that I am really passionate about helping people create environments where they thrive. So right now in this, in the early stages of my life, it looked like being in the workplace and designing restaurants and hotels, um, places of business. And right now it looks like me helping families create environments where their family can thrive. So I just have a passion for this. And I was like, how can I, how can I use this to help other people? How can I first use this to help my family? And then how can I share it with others? I love that. So for people who are listening, who aren't necessarily sure what a family culture is, how would you define that? Okay. So your family culture is basically what you can expect. So for example, when we think of Amazon, when we think of Zappos, when we think of Costco, there are things that we just think of like Amazon. We think of Amazon Prime. We think of ease of shopping. We think of free shipping, like all the things, right? Large variety. Um, 
So we know about culture when it comes to businesses, and it's pretty much the same thing when it comes to families. So it's what your customers can expect. It's what your employees can expect. It's it's the language around your service or your product. So if you were to translate that to families, it would be what your kids can expect when they come home after a long day away, which they're not really away these days, but you know what I mean. <laughs> what yeah. your relatives can count on when they come to see you for the holidays, what friends experience when they stop by your house. So just as in business, the family culture refers to how a family relates to one another, how they work together, how they achieve goals. It's just the way you do things. I love that. That's a great definition. So do you, do you still have a mission statement for your family? We do. Yeah. That has Will you share it with us? Sure. We um, read it every time we have a family meeting. So when we get together and talk about our upcoming week, talk about the things in our calendar, our priorities, we rotate who says this. All right. I got it. Okay. okay so go it's, for it. um, God first, we honor him with our choices. As a family, we support, respect, and continually forgive. Our home is a safe place to be yourself. We do all things well, steward well, and are generous. We do not settle for average. We continue to grow and learn. We celebrate life and create beauty together. Integrity marks our lives. Love that. I think everyone listening to that was probably like, yeah, that's good stuff for my family. We can do that too. <laughs> all right. So why is having an intentional family culture and even a mission statement so important and Along with that, like, why is it even more important right now? So a culture is what helps you make decisions. So for a long time, um, the example I love to use for this is a long time I was volunteering for everything. I was filling up my schedule. I was a stay-at-home mom. So of course I was supposed to be everything to everybody. And I was saying yes. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, well, I'm going to take this writing thing seriously. And I started saying no to things. But that wasn't necessarily like swinging to the opposite side of the pendulum wasn't exactly what I wanted to do either. And once I was able to determine my values, so for us, um, like the five words that we think are important um, are basically our why. Um, once I determined those, I was able to begin to make decisions based out of my values and just not in, instead of based out of how stressed I'm feeling when an opportunity presents itself or how overwhelmed I feel or, you know, even what my schedule looked like. So there was an opportunity for us to get involved with an entrepreneurship program at my children's school. And it was immediately a yes, because I knew that the sacrifice mm -hmm. would be worth it. The time would be worth it because it lined up with our values. One of our values is generosity. And we believe along with that, that we not only do we want to accumulate money so that we can be generous with others, so that we can bless others, so that we can serve others. But also I love teaching kids about money, my kids about money. I've written about it on the blog and I'm like, this is, this is a yes. Right. And I knew that because I had already established my values and I was able then to, my kids took the course that I ended up chairing the program for. Uh, once they graduated from that course, once they aged out of it, they began to volunteer with it. My husband got involved and he became the marketplace coordinator for the big event for the students. And so it became something that we did as a family. So it was, I was able to make decisions and knew what our family, how they could participate and how we could all rally around something. So that brings me to the next reason why it's so important is that it gives you a sense of belonging. 
Um, it tells your children that they matter and that they're a part of something bigger than themselves. So when we have these predetermined values that we've decided upon, and we know that's what we are about, we can automatically make choices that line up with it. But we also know that we're a part of, you know what I mean? That makes us feel like we are a part of something mm -hmm. because we don't have to wonder what is it that I'm going to do? What is my purpose? Am I needed in the family? Like it just gives everybody something to rally around and belong. This was a great thing that happened when my daughter was in high school. She joined the field hockey team and we, we went to one of those parent meetings. Like, you know, she's nervous. She doesn't know a ton of people. I'm still getting to know some of the moms. And they said, well, we have an opportunity for somebody to host the freshman lunch. And she looked across the room from me and she nodded her head and I nodded my head and she raised her hand because one of our values is hospitality and community. And so she, she didn't even have to ask me, like she just knew that that was what our family stood for. And so she was able to embrace that. She was able to say, yeah, this is what my family does and we can do this. And so I love how it, how it's empowered them to make choices as well. That is so, that's, that's like the kind of teenage girl I want to raise right there in a heartbeat. So, okay. If anyone out there like me is listening and going, I need this. How do I do this? Where do you start? How do you start to create the family culture that you want? So the first thing that we do would be to determine your values. So what are the five to seven things that are your why of doing what you do? And so for us, it looked like for me and my husband, it looked like writing down a whole list of things that was important to us all the value words we can think of, which can be a little intimidating, but if you would just write the list of things mm -hmm. that you're, you know, that are important to you, you'll, you'll get down to those words. Um, what's important to us? What do we feel strongly about? What are we passionate about? And once you can narrow it down to those five values, then you, you have your first sort of building block and that's your start. And then what I like to do when I work with people that I coach or when they go through our online course is then we take those values and we put three to five practices around each value because you may have like integrity to you may mean something different than it means to me. I mean, the word still means what it means, but like for us, mm -hmm. integrity means honoring our commitments, even when it's hard. Um, it means showing up authentically, whether we're at home or whether we're outside of the house. So determining even what those values mean to us so that we have a list of practices, because once you develop a list of practices, you're able to measure how are you doing on these things. You're able to celebrate when you've achieved them. You're able to plan and hold them up against your calendar. You're able to hold them up against your bank account. You're able to say, are we living out these practices or are these just, are these just things that we kind of like think are nice and hope to do. So how old were your kids when you started this? My youngest was six. So he's 13 now. So what was fantastic about it is we probably started it a year or two before we presented it to them. So we really presented this concept of family culture and what are our values and what, this is the big question I like to ask people, what do you want to be known for? We asked them that when my youngest was six. So we're thinking six, six, eight, and 12. And so immediately they were able hmm. to understand that because they got branding. Our kids are so brilliant. I mean, that like it's branding and, um, you know, brand recognition is all around them. So we started the conversation by asking them about like, well, Chipotle and Michael's and Staples. And then, and then we kind of shifted the conversation towards like, okay, so when you think of so-and-so's family, what do you think of? And then they're able to rattle off. They can tell you who's got the best snacks. They can tell you who they have the most fun with. They can tell you which moms talk to them and which moms don't talk to them. 
you know, like they, they know, they know that when they go to certain people's home, they can expect, expect certain things. And so we presented this idea. We had already established our values, but we wanted them to be involved with the next level of what do you, what do you want us to be known for? Like whether it's how we treat people or even the things that we do for fun. And so we got them in on the conversation at a very young age. I love that because I think creating a mission, vision, values is kind of a really high level concept, I think for a lot of adults to break down, uh, but especially for Mm -hmm. kids. But I think every kid Mm -hmm. can say, okay, when you go to the Smith's house or whatever, what, what do you think of? What do you think of when you think of this family Mm -hmm. and what do we want to be known for? I think that's a wonderful question that kids of any age can answer, even if it's the best snacks, because, you know, as a, as a mom of a middle schooler, that is really important. I'm not going to lie. That is, you know, that is an important thing. thing. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely want us to go beyond the good snacks uh, to being good people. But um, that is an important mm-hmm. thing. And, and I love, love, love that question. Okay. So I think that a lot of moms are probably listening to this, a lot of women, and they're thinking, okay, but how do I get everybody on board? Is this something that I have to drive again? You know, do I have to be responsible for the family culture? How do you get everybody in your family on board, whether it is a spouse who might be like, oh, here's crazy Jennifer again with another idea. (laughs) (laughs) At least this doesn't involve me painting a room, right? Or, you know, if you've got teenagers who are like, mom, you are so lame or little ones who aren't quite ready to, to fully grasp the concept. How do you get your family on board? Okay. So first off, I I can totally relate to, like when I say me and my husband sat down to do our like, you know, values and what we were passionate about. It's not like he came like all excited with his pen and paper. Like I had to like nag him a few weekends and be like, we really need to do this. Like I'm, I'm writing about this for my blog. You really need to participate in this. So, you know, it's, it's absolutely normal and probably very, very common to be in this process by yourself and feel like, oh my gosh, am I really, can I really do this? And really do I have to do this on my own? But if it's important to you, you know, sometimes we just have to do it on our own, but here's the great thing about culture. You know, culture isn't made by some big announcement and some big initiative that we try to get everybody on board on. It really is created by the small, simple steps that we choose to take over time. And so the first step in this is creating intention, deciding what you want to be known for, um, identify what's important to you, and then make your decisions line up with that. You know, break away from doing things the way they've always been done. And you can get your kids involved, but you can also be like subtle when you get your kids involved. They don't always have to be like, yay, this is amazing because my kids aren't all the time. But there are certain things that are non-negotiable in our house. So like, you know, family meetings and family night, and we we do this family retreat pretty regularly and they know, hey, it's coming. You're just going to have to suck it up. We're going to have fun. We're going to make this fun. And then once we get them on board, they're like, okay, I can do this. Um, but as parents, we still need to lead, you know, like if we waited on the emotions of our kids or the buy-in of our spouses, sometimes we'll never get started. And I've learned, you know, by a good friend telling me, hey, if it's important to you, why, why are you waiting? So I really learned to take steps and to really focus on what is it that I can control in my home and what is the intention that I can create and just going for it. Um, it's not always easy, but it's definitely possible. Can I just say that I think the quote, you just have to suck it up and we're going to have fun is the most mom quote of all time. 
I just had a flashback to when my girls were younger, like yelling at them about how much fun we were going to have, you know, when everyone's fighting mm-hmm. and you can't get out the door and like, we're going to have so much fun. I think that is the, yeah. I mean, it, I, it's really true. Like sometimes they just got to do it, but they always do end up having a good time. So tell me about your family retreat. What do you guys do? Do you go away somewhere? Do you... What does that look like for you? Like I mentioned before, the things that help develop a strong culture in the workplace or in an organization is going to create strong culture in your home. So one of the things that I did was I took a 360 peer review that people typically receive and participate in an office environment, and I made it for the family. So it's an opportunity once a year where we get together and they're able to give us feedback. We give them feedback. They give us feedback. Um, We have conversations around, you know, what is the best thing about our family? What's the least thing about our family? What do you need from mom that you're not getting? Like we go through all of those things and we even give them an opportunity to actually rate one another's performance. So, and basically those are like character type things, like whether or not a sibling can be Mm -hmm. trusted, whether or not they lie, whether they're truthful, um, are they easy to get along with? And so We've created this environment where even though there, there are definitely times that they begrudgingly are like, oh, all right, we do. We make it fun. We, we leave the house. Um, we, we First of all, we tell them it's coming. So, you're, we're, you know, prepare them. And we usually, in the past, we have gotten a Groupon and just gone to a local hotel. It's like 20 minutes away. And then I figure out where the mini golf place is. I make sure the hotel has a pool. I figure out where we're going to go to lunch. We take them to Starbucks and get Frappuccinos. Like we have a plan so that we can... Uh, you know, mix in the fun stuff with the conversations. So we'll ask and discuss the questions maybe over dinner and then we'll go play in a park and then we'll go at, answer more questions and go get an ice cream. And so we make it fun. We make it like an offsite retreat, kind of like you would do if you were working in a corporate environment. What I love is that, you know, even when they roll their eyes at some of these activities or conversations, which they're now used to, when we bring the language back to the conversations we've had at these retreats, it sort of takes some of the emotions sometimes out of correcting them or course correcting them. So for example, when, you know, like the first year we did it, my two children told my other child, well, you lie a lot. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, so then the follow-up has been, hey, well, let's work on this. Like I can say, let's work on this. And she doesn't feel like I'm accusing her because we've all had a conversation about it. And it's been in a fun environment where you're kind of like your guards down, you're vulnerable, you're honest with one another. And, you know, we've had our kids call us out on things that they've kind of given us feedback on. And they're like, you know what, remember when we were talked about this at the family retreat, sometimes you do this and we would like you not to do this. And we're like, oh yeah, yeah. So we don't feel like our kids are correcting us. We feel like they're leaning back on our values. They're leaning back on you know, really constructive and fun conversations that we've had. And it's just been a game changer in how we move forward. That's amazing. And I love that they have some buy-in to their own behavior. So it's not just you nagging at Mm -hmm. them. It's it's Mm -hmm. what they want to be known for as well. That is such good stuff. That is amazing. So I know that a lot of our listeners have kids at home and this conversation is super applicable to them. But what about those who don't, whether they're single, whether they don't have kids or their kids have already left the nest, Mm -hmm. what could you recommend to them about creating a culture they want for themselves or for their own homes? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're, my husband and I are still going to have a culture when our kids leave, 
the first step is this is the same. What are your values? What are the things that are important to you? What are the things that you're willing to put your time, your energy and your focus into? And how do you want to like live in this world and serve others around you? And you can determine that as a single person, you can determine that as a couple without children, and you can live that way. It, there's the, the principles are the same. The principles work. Um, it's about the environment that you want to create for yourself and then also the people that you're doing life with. And so it really is just the same and just as important because, you know, not everybody knows everybody's families, but we know a person. We know how we feel when they leave their presence. Um, one of the questions that's challenged me early on in this process of learning how to establish my values is what do I want people to feel when they leave my presence? What is that one word that I want them to say that I embody? And so the decisions I make, you know, revolve around that. So for us as a family, we've adopted this principle and that our one word is nourished. I want people to leave our home feeling nourished, whether it's physically because we love hospitality or spiritually or mentally, or just, you know, being a place where people can come and be themselves. And so are we providing that for other people? And you can do that as a family or you can do that as a person. That is such great stuff. You know, I talk a lot about style guideposts, these words that sort of you can look to, like if you're about to buy that sweater at Anthropology, and your words are um, classic, understated and minimalist, and you've got this crazy bright jacket in your hand that you think you really want, you know, look at your style guidepost and say, wait a second, is that really what I want? And most of the yeah. time you put the jacket down and you're okay with that. And I feel like this is yeah. a culture guidepost of, is this what I want yeah. people to see? Is this how I want people to feel? I love that. I love the idea of guideposts. Yeah. So is this something that you help people through in your course? I, I know this wasn't, we weren't necessarily going to talk about this, but talk about your course a little bit, if you don't mind. And, and what do you take people through in, in that? Yeah, so I, I have an online course, and what I typically do is when I work one-on-one -on -one with a coaching client or with a couple, um, we'll walk through the course together. They'll watch the modules on their own. We'll get together, and I'll help them with their homework. Not necessarily help them, but like just hold them accountable, and we'll like hash out some things, maybe fine-tune some of their answers. And what it does is we, um, number one, we figure out what we want to be known for. Uh, we establish our values. Then we turn those values into practices. We establish the words that we want to use in our home. What are the words and phrases that you will say and won't say? Because uh, those are real. That's real important in, in mm. the workplace too, right? Like some people call their clients clients and some people call them customers. Yeah. And You know, like what is the language you want to use around your family? And then after we've done all of those steps, we end up with a family manifesto. So we have a mission statement. We're still working on our family manifesto. Another one of those, and you just need my husband to sit down one more time with me. <laughs> we were kind of getting together pretty regularly at this coffee shop before COVID, and then that one yeah. went away. Yeah. Um, but the manifesto um, is so much fun because it not only embodies what your values are, like your mission statement does, but it, it embodies your cultural practices. So it talks about how you feel about the things you do. Um, you know, for us, it's games. Games are super duper important. That's, that's the way we feel like we bring people together. It's the best thing to do when you're with relatives that you have nothing to talk about with. You know, mm -hmm. like for us, that's a big part of who we are as a family and what you can expect when you come to our house. So you're able to include those things like our love of cooking and our love of um, travel. Like you can include those in 
a manifesto. So it kind of brings the concept of that mission statement and your cultural practice, it brings them all together and really embodies who you are as a family. And once that's done, it just gives you, like you said, a guidepost. It's like when I'm curious about whether I'm on the right path or whether I'm living true to my values or whether the decisions I'm making up line up with who we are, I can go back to that. And you mentioned earlier about in this this kind of weird time where I think a lot of us have lost sight of like who we are and what we're what we're here for. And do we really need to get dressed? And do we really need to do those things? And that provides a guidepost. Just a real quick example. You know, I think for all of us, it was fun in the beginning, but it was it was hard to pivot. And we're known for games and we're known for hospitality and like all the stuff that we filled our calendar with went away. But what we decided was, well, how can we do games online? And so we did one family game night where I dropped off bags. We did a minute to win it contest. We dropped off supplies for nine different families who said they were interested. We all got on a Zoom call and we all competed against each other in these games. You know, like we found ways to still live out the things that are important to us, our values, those things that make us who we are. So during seasons like this, during seasons of, you know, whether it's trauma or transition or, and I don't even know what to call this season that we're in, but your how may change, but your why doesn't. So you're able to go back to your manifesto or your mission statement and say, this is what we do. So how can we do it new in this season? You always have that to go back to and to tether you to. That's interesting. I was talking to my dad on the phone the other night and we were talking about like just all the negativity yuck in the world. I mean, you can't like, I've just stopped watching TV and news. I just can't take it anymore. Um, But I said, I feel like I just need to get out there and do something good to counteract all the negativity. And then I was thinking about all the things that I normally do that I do to do good and Mm -hmm. none of them are available. And I felt really defeated, but at the same time, like there is There is a how. There's a how. I just have to find Mm -hmm. it. I think that's a great reminder. Mm -hmm. So when families start this, this family culture project, so to speak, Mm -hmm. what are some of the pitfalls that they experience? So one challenge I often experience is people will say, I have all of these values. I have 15. There is no way that I can just pick five. Right. Because we want to be all things to everybody. Yeah. Um, But if you're in business, you know that you need to have an avatar that you can't Mm -hmm. speak to everybody. You have to narrow them down and you have to lean into that person, that customer, that need. That's where, you know, your sweet spot is. And it's the same way with family. There's so many things that are important to us, but you really have to narrow it down to five, because if you try to do 15, you're never going to not going to do any of them well. And so. It's actually one of my favorite parts of coaching people is really digging down and saying, okay, so why is this one important to you? All right. If you had to choose between these two, which one would you choose? And and just really pulling out of them um, what it is that's really important to them and what maybe that's, yeah, good, but it's not the thing. And so I think that's what happens. We get tempted into being all things to everybody you know, we try to embody every good character there is and every value that there is, and you really can't do that. And so, yeah, fine tune what it is and don't, don't be afraid to just get behind that and do that well. Do you ever find people jump in like feet first, all in, and then it's just kind of like uh, too overwhelming and then they just can't, they don't go on? In the process? Yeah. Or is there, do you recommend people kind of ease into this a little bit? Well, you know what, I'm more of like, run fast and hard and do it. Okay. I think, I think the most challenging thing for people. So usually when I coach somebody or we work through the co- the course, they can go at their own pace, but typically I recommend like every two weeks we connect. So it's not, you know, and it could be longer if, if 
you know, schedules are crazy. Um, but I think people, it's not so much they get overwhelmed as much as I think sometimes we're uncomfortable in our own skin. We're uncomfortable naming mm-hmm. what's important to us. We're uncomfortable with making the wrong choice. And so that's what I work with my, the people that I work with is just encouraging them, reassuring them, helping them to finish the process because it, it really can be simplified. So for example, one of the things that um, I'm going to be sharing with your listeners is a family culture discussion sheet. I mean, the questions on that sheet, they're basic. Like when you were growing up, what sights and sounds meant home? Like where were you the, 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 the happiest? You know, and then you start to think, well, how, how can I incorporate that into my life? Like you have the answers. It's just a matter of sitting with yourself and being willing to just name them. I would also imagine if you choose values that you feel you should have rather than values you actually do have, it's a lot more difficult because even, oh, yeah. you know, with, with getting dressed, if you pick a style that is inauthentic to you because you think you should look that way, yeah. it's really hard. You don't want to do it. You don't want to spend the money on it. You you can never make it look quite right mm-hmm. because it's not you. You're better off just choosing things that are truly authentically you and not worrying about should these be my values? Should this be my style? Go right. with what is yeah. is authentic to you. And there is a sort of a reckoning process where we're like, am I doing things just because that's the way my parents did it? Or am I doing mm. things because this is the way I want to do it? And so there is in the beginning, this breaking away and identifying, oh, wow, like I get to choose to do this differently, or I get to choose to do it the same, but make the choice. Don't let the choice be made for you because you think that's what you should be doing. I tell you, I think should is the worst, worst word. Yeah. Should. <laughs> should ruins a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Everyone gets, everyone should get rid of the word should. And I realize that that is um, a little ironic. Uh, Okay. So another thing you focus on is home design. Can Mm -hmm. you give us an idea of how that plays into creating a family culture and a couple of just quick tips Mm -hmm. for home design that supports the culture you want in your family? Yeah. So the first thing you need to do is ask yourself, how do I want to live? Like, what are the activities that I want to cultivate? So for example, you know, when my kids were young, we had the space for them to be separate, but I wanted them to cultivate a friendship. And I wanted them to also know what it was like to get along and compromise and share a space. So they shared a room. That was like something you're going to do. And then at some point you can separate, but this is really important that you're together now. So, um, or you're trying to cultivate relationships with your kids. Like maybe they need to share a room. Um, For us, playing games was really important. When we recently did a home renovation, we made sure that we built a cabinet in the living room where we could store the games. And then we made sure we bought furniture that we, that we could play those games on. So it's a no brainer. It's in Atomic Habits. They talk about the fact where you eliminate the friction, right? To creating that habit. So what is it that I need to eliminate? So I'll actually participate in that activity. So you need things accessible. You need to know this is where this this takes place. If you love to read, make books accessible. Make a comfy place where you can, you know, put down your tea or your glass of wine as you drink. I mean, like create the space that will actually allow you to do those things that you want to do either alone or together. Easy. You know, do you want to go outside more? Well, maybe, you know, you need to have doors and window. Maybe you choose a house where there's doors and windows that not only allow you to see outside in the backyard, but let you get outside pretty easy with the back door. You know, little things like that, because that actually changes the way we behave. So I truly believe that like whatever your budget is, you can rearrange your furniture, get accessories, or even renovate. You can paint, 
you can do the things that create that environment that you want. And then even a whole nother level when it comes to our home, we can play music, we can burn scented candles, we can think about what is that space? What is that environment that I want to create for myself, for my kids? And what are the small things? And even what are the big things that I can do to make the changes that are needed? It's funny, last night we were playing some board games and we hadn't in a while. And I think part of the reason was that I had cleaned and reorganized and I was just kind of tired of clutter. We moved a whole bunch of games down into the basement and I'm a big proponent of out of sight, out of mind, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if you have mm-hmm. to go searching for the game, it's going to, you're not going to play it. And I was online this morning searching for like a bookshelf that we could put in our little, we turned our dining room into a little nook, like craft and TV nook. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a bookshelf that I could put the games on there because I thought it will be a whole lot easier and we will naturally do it more yeah. if they're there, if they're easily accessible. Mm-hmm. So I, that's exactly what that's playing into. By the way, you mentioned the book Atomic Habits. That mm-hmm. is an amazing book. Everybody should read that one. I'm going to link to it in the show notes so everyone can find that one easily. All right. So we talked about your course a little bit. Where can people find you online? Okay. So I'm at KimberlyAmici.com and I'm also at BuildYourBestFamily.com and I have a podcast called Build Your Best Family. And I love to hang out on Instagram. So Instagram is where I throw those little tidbits of information out too. I'm on Kimberly Amici and I'm at Build Your Best Family. Okay. We're going to link to all of that in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't stop and write it down. (laughs) Um, And then you've got some great resources, some freebies for our listeners, right? Can you tell us about those? Okay. So I put together a bundle of some of the things that I talked about today. There's the family discussion sheet. There is the family meeting packet. And so for us, again, with culture, regular meetings, keeping in touch, what's our schedule like? What's our expectation of one another? That's a big one during this particular time in COVID. Like that needs to be realigned. um, And how can we keep connection? Um, I give a little bit of a sneak peek of the family retreat packet. So there's just a few questions of my 360 peer review that I put in there. And then I also did a list of family fun suggestions. You know, the ones that are going to kids are going to suck up and do. (laughs) You guys, it's so amazing. I downloaded it yesterday and such great stuff. We're going to link to that in the show notes. So again, you don't have to write anything down. Just go to our website um, and grab that. Also, you have offered to go above and beyond and you are given something extra to our Style Circle members. Can you tell us what you are putting in our dashboards? Sure. So um, in addition to the family culture discussion sheet, you're going to have a kids discussion sheet, a sheet that you can print out and get the kids in on, on the conversation. Like it's also going to have the family meeting packet. And then that sneak peek of the family retreat is just going to have some additional questions as well that you can share with family members. And then of course, also the family fun suggestions. You guys, that is an amazing, amazing resource. If you're not a member of the Style Circle, come get in there now. This one is worth it on its own. Okay, last question for you. I like to ask all of my guests what they would like our listeners to take away from our conversation today. Are there one or two things, quick tips or big themes that you really want our Style Sisters to take away? Yeah. So when it comes to culture, I think the big thing that makes it so powerful is just making decisions ahead of time about who you want to be and who your family wants to be. I mean, that in and of itself, if you are overwhelmed by the idea of doing all this culture stuff, just that simple step is going to change the way you approach life. And I 100% believe that we have the power to change the course of our family and our lives by just small steps over time. That is so, so, so good. 
I know that my children, probably like a lot of children out there, have no idea that a family meeting is coming very, very soon. <laughs> I know that I'm absolutely inspired to put together a family culture that um, that grows the kind of people that I want to grow and leaves the kind of legacy that we want to that we want to leave. And I hope that a lot of our listeners feel the same way. So, to find Kimberly, you can head over to her websites either buildyourbestfamily.com or KimberlyAmici.com, or you can just grab the links from our website at youreverydaystyle.com slash family culture. We're just going to make that one word family culture. If you are a Style Circle member, be sure to check your dashboard because your bonus goodies are in there. Kimberly, thank you so much for your time and such great information. We loved having you on the Style School. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast for show notes, freebies, and links to connect with me on social media. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is making style easier and more fun for you, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.